Today we are looking again at Proverbs, and today's, um, today's topic is friendship. Friendship. So, the, my first question is, how would you rate your friendships? How would you rate your friends? Actually, should you be rating your friends? But, um, how would you rate your friendships? To each of us, it's a very individual thing, isn't it? Our, our friendships are unique. Um, it's not something you can really compare to other people because you haven't lived in their shoes. Um, I have the occasional student, it's quite a sad thing, that they, who have uh, difficulty with friendships. Um, they're socially awkward. I think I was one of those. Um, uh, genuinely, um, I still don't find it that easy. But... Um, they, I wasn't quite this bad, but I see that these, and generally it's, it's uh, little boys, primarily because I deal mostly with the, the little boys, who, who sit slightly apart from everyone else and sit alone. And, um, but when you actually talk to them about their friendships, they will, will say, yes, I've got a lot of friends. You know, one or two will even get defensive about it. You know, say, I've got lots of friends, I don't need your friendship, or something like that. Um, to, to other, the other children who might tease them about it. You see, it's not easy to tell, is it, about the quality of those friendships. Um, and friendship is something at the heart of Christianity, more than any other religion, I would say. That doesn't mean to say that Christians are better friends or more friendly, and I think that sometimes we should look to some of the other religions and be a little bit ashamed that we aren't a little bit more friendly uh, and have better friendships. But friendship, the relational side, is something that is at the heart of Christianity because of two great revelations in the Bible. The first is about the character of God and the character of the Trinity. You see, the divinely ordered three beings of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit being one God. The one God being three means that God is a very relational being. God is one that understands what it means to be a father. God is one that understands what it means to be a son. I'm not quite sure how we can relate to the father and son relating to the spirit but certainly there is that relational aspect that is at the heart of Christianity. And if you have any questions about not understanding Christianity, uh, the Trinity, Craig is here afterwards, um, who will explain all things to you, including free will and predestination. Uh, yeah, he's much clearer than I am, so do bring your questions to Craig afterwards. So that's the first revelation about the Trinity uh, uh, being a relational being, God being a relational being, and he created us to be in a relationship with him. The second re revelation is that God is love. Not that God is a loving God. No, that's not right. When people hear God is love, they automatically think, oh yes, God is a loving God. That's not what it's saying. God is not some Santa Claus figure in, uh, in the sky that is giving out gifts and answering prayers. Because otherwise, God would be, become 
what we define love as, what def society defines love as, the kind of mushy emotions that Hollywood portrays love as. Suddenly I realize I love that woman. I'm going to yeah, run through the streets and bite past everything to go, go and declare my love. No, that's not the love that God portrays. God is love means that God defines love. We know how to love because God first loved us. God is the definition of love. God is love. As 1 John 4 says, we love because God, he first loved us. And also, anyone who does not love does not know God. And this is something that I'm going to come back to. So, if you've got your Bibles, uh, we're using the ESV. Uh, if you need a Bible, there's some Bibles over there, the church Bibles over there. If you've got your uh, devices, uh, there's, um, we're looking at the ESV version of Proverbs. We're going to be starting mostly looking at Proverbs 27. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1 to 10. And uh, before we dive into that, uh, let me pray for us um, so that uh, God is with us as we open his word. Father, we uh, thank you for giving us these wise sayings in Proverbs. We pray that they can not just be uh, knowledge that we have in our heads, uh, but wisdom that we can apply in our lives. We pray that they affect our lives, that we, they change us, that you change us by your spirit indwelling in us. That we can be witnesses to you and that our light shines out for you in the darkness. That others can be so amazed by your character shining through us that they ask about what it is that makes us different. Not for our glory, Lord, but for yours. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to have a look at this one passage and then a couple of other uh, verses elsewhere. And Proverbs is unique in the Bible that it doesn't mostly lump it topics here and there uh, on its advice, but uh, um, rather doles out these little pearls of wisdom uh, here and there. So we're going to have to draw some of these pearls of wisdom together and then put it into context. So reading Proverbs 20, uh, chapter 27, verses... 1 to 10. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let another praise you, and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's provocation is heavier than both. Wrath is cruel, anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Uh, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Who is who, uh, the one who is full loathes honey, but to one who is hungry everything is bitter. Uh, everything bitter is sweet. Like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. Oil and perfume make the, the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better, sorry, better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. 
Verse 5 says, Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. And if you look down at uh, uh, verse 9, it says, The sweetness of a friend comes from earnest counsel. It's certainly got to be a good friend who can give you a rebuke, isn't it? I mean, you will get the odd stranger who will just come up to you and try and tell you off. But generally, it's not well received. And generally, if someone's just getting to know you and they they want to become your friend, they don't start criticizing you, generally. It's a good friend who will rebuke you. Someone who cares for you. See, in verse, it follows this on in verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of her friends. Now that's not someone hurting you with a, a weapon, but rather talking about the wounds inflicted by rebukes, by words, by criticism. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And it's not just talking about any friend here. Friend is a very loose term, and I, I used to have a, a problem with, with my brother who used to, you know, he, he would only call a select few people friend, and then he would actually refer, not probably not to their face, but refer to others as associates. And I thought that was a, a bit, bit of a harsh term. I think you just got to treat people as friends and call them friends. Yes, there are people who are close friends, people who you count on in times of trouble. And this is those people, those close friends, those good friends, the people who you can count on, who if they hurt you, you know that they are being faithful as friends. The sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel, or her earnest counsel. See, are these the friendships that we are developing People who can tell us the truth, even when it's painful. Or is it that we shy away from these people? Do we cultivate these friends? Do we tell them the truth and expect truth to be told in return? Do we thank them when when they tell us the truth? Or do we cultivate fair-weather friends or sycophants? People who would just tell you praise and say yes. In verse 10, it says, Better a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Now, in Proverbs, in many instances, neighbor is translated in the same way as friend. And we'll come back to this later. Um, but this is an obvious one, isn't it? So it's great to, have a, 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 great to have family that you can rely on. But if they're far away, they can't help you. Um, Sometimes I'm very glad that I'm not too close to my family. That my parents are in Hong Kong, my sister is in, uh, in London. But it makes it hard when I need, um, you know, I need help. So it's great to have friends around who, you can, who can help you out. People you can rely on. Um, someone who will encourage you week to week, if not day to day. We need those friends, don't we? Uh, last year, I attended a positive schools conference, and um, I was surprised at what I took away from it, because I'm a little bit cynical. I don't know whether you've 
picked that up and chatted to me. I'm a little bit cynical and I sometimes find that when I'm listening to these talks on well-being and mindfulness and PSHE, personal, social and health education, they do rehash a lot of the things, the same things. And uh, when kind of coming up with new strategies for teaching, a lot of them are, are very similar to good practice that we've always known. And while as this piece of advice was not new, it was, it was great to have this clarity on it. One of the main speakers got up to talk and after a little while, it was clear that she, what she was saying made a lot of sense and what she was saying was backed up with real life examples and statistics. And as a mathematician, I, I do like to have well-researched things and statistics to back up what they're saying. And she said, the biggest single factor in the successful mental well-being of a child is friendship. Isn't that amazing? The biggest single factor in the successful male's mental well-being of a child is their friendship. And she went on to say, and I, I quote this often, schools can only do so much to foster friendships, but the biggest single thing a school can do to encourage mental well-being in their children is to foster a sense of belonging. And that comes through a sense of community. You see, friendship is incredibly important, especially in those formative teenage years or even younger. Isn't it amazing that when, when the secular world kind of keeps, uh, catches up to something the Bible has been telling us for centuries and millennium? Friendships and that relational side of our lives is essential to our well-being. We are created as well, uh, relational beings. Now, I saw a ridiculous film uh, about, I think in 2011, there was a ridiculous film called uh, Real Steel. Has anyone seen it? Yeah, it's, it's an awful film, but it's got Hugh Jackman in, and I thought, he kind of signed up to a film that's terrible, but it turned out that he did. But I, I was very amused because it's, so the story is about this former boxer who now they've outlawed boxing because it's, you know, it's a terrible sport. No, I mean, some people enjoy it, but um, they've outlawed boxing and instead they have these robots in the ring that, that bash each other to bits. So he goes to a junkyard, he is uh, a scrapyard, and he starts, uh, he, he recovers these robots and fixes them up and sells them off. He gets them into a couple of fights to demonstrate how good they are. So he fixes up this big robot and it gets bashed to pieces. And on the side, he, he finds this little training robot that his, uh, his son begs him to, to, to save. Um, and it turns out that this little training robot, he starts training the little uh, training robot in the moves that he did as a boxer. And obviously, the training, yeah, as stories go, the training robot starts to do really well and starts to beat much bigger opponents because uh, it's designed to take a lot of damage, but now it's got his moves. It can start doing damage as well. And there's the last scene where it's getting battered to bits and the boy is in tears 
as, you know, only Hollywood can. But, um, and the music is playing and it's all very emotional. But I just thought, how ridiculous is this? This boy has formed a relationship with this robot who can't really talk. All he can do is box. Because that's what we are. We are relational beings. And where there's an absence of people that we can be friends with, we form relationships with everything. Yes, I think it's... Yeah, people would debate about whether it's fair to form real relationships with animals. Uh, I know that some of you with your pets, they do have character. I know that. Uh, but then you get relationships with plants. And you talk to... Does anyone talk to their plant? I, I've once or twice, you know. Their car. Who's named their car? Okay, I, I have to say I have named my car. Okay. And, uh, and there's that film um, car, um, with uh, Tom Hanks, and he forms a relationship with Wilson. Yeah. yeah? Isn't that incredible? We are relational beings. We need those relationships. So let's have a look at a couple of other verses. If you want to flick to Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17, verse 17. If you don't want to flick to it, it's just one verse. I'll read it out. So Proverbs 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Now, I saw this on the ch a church of my, uh, that my cousin works at in Hong Kong, and I, it just made me laugh straight away. I saw, I saw it and I laughed because I don't really get on with my brother. I, yeah, we've been known to fight. Um, and we actually, that's many years ago, but we, we almost came to blows at my sister's wedding, and we certainly did when we were much younger. So we really don't, that's, it's an understatement to say that we don't get on. Um, so... This, this verse did make me laugh. But I, I realized actually much more recently what it was actually saying. So a brother is born for adversity. That means that a brother is not there to fight you, but a brother is there in your hardest times. A brother is born to help you in adversity. That's what it means. Not, not what I originally thought it meant. Okay, so I apologize. But... Uh, Yes, it's great. And, and I know, actually, that my brother, as much as I fight with him and as much of a pain as he is, um, we, uh, I know that he is a, a faithful, dutiful, and loving brother who will be there in the hardest times. And my parents as well. And, and uh, my father I don't find easy to talk to, but I know he is there in the most difficult of times if I need him. But a friend, a true friend, again, that's talking about a true friend, is there beyond that, isn't it? Here, a friend loves at all times. And that's an amazing friend, isn't it? And we, we will find the true test of a friend in those hard times. We see the parables of, of the fair-weather friend, uh, fair-weather friends of the uh, prodigal son who leave him as soon as his wealth has gone. A friend, a true friend, loves at all times. And don't we long for those friendships? Don't we go seeking and long for those friendships? 
Just turn over to Proverbs 18, verse 24. Proverbs 18, chapter 18, verse 24. This echoes the same thing. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Well, in this social media generation, we couldn't see more truth in this, could we? We see celebrities, people who are worshipped, who are committing suicide, sadly, because they are so lonely. How can they be lonely when they are adored by so many? We see in, I see in teenagers, always, people who are worried, and, and, and we're all the same when we're that age, people who are worried more about popularity than the good friends who are standing by our side, who want to be there. Popularity is such, has such a draw. And hopefully, hopefully, we outgrow that and we realize just how valuable good friends are. This is a true friend, someone who sticks closer than a brother. Don't we long for that? So at this point, some of you are probably wondering, how do I find this true friend? What does Proverbs say about fostering these friends? And even non-Christians are longing for this. This is the search of the desperate single looking for that perfect partner to complete his or her life. This is for that desperate uh, young single who goes out with their friend every night to form those memories, to have a good time, to make sure that that, those good times bonds them with those friends. Goes on holiday with these friends to make sure that they have bonding time. So how as Christians are we to be any different? Isn't that what these proverbs are saying? True friends are truly awesome, and so go out and find that. Is that what these proverbs are saying? Because surely I could pick up uh, many secular books, and they would say the same thing. There is that famous book, isn't it, Uh, that was was written in the 80s, How to Make Friends and Influence People. What we forget is that these passages taken out of context like this, forget, we forget the theme that is running through Proverbs. That repeated phrase. What was that repeated phrase? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we can't take the context, we can't take these passages out of context. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of the, uh, wisdom. Our well-being, our sanity, our loneliness. It's not solved by friendship. It can be assuaged a little bit by friendships. But those friendships in themselves are flawed. Why are they flawed? Because they're human. And as humans, we fail. It's difficult, isn't it? We were made as relational beings. And what relationship were we made to be in? Well, that relationship should be with God, primarily with God. 
And this God is the true friend, the true father, the perfect father, the one that who is the perfect brother, and the one who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is the constant loving God. He is not just loving. He defines love. Who can tell me what the greatest commandment is? I'm going to pick on someone. I don't know if someone, no one volunteers. I'm going to ask Peter. Peter, what's the, the, the greatest commandment? Sorry? Yes. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. That is the greatest commandment. What is the second greatest commandment? Peter, again. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go if you. Uh, it's in Matthew, Matthew 22. Love God first, and then love your neighbor. The second one comes from the first one. Remember that God is love, and by knowing God's love, we learn to love others better. And it doesn't you know, say. Anywhere in the commandments, go and find friends. Yes, Proverbs say, go, you know, go cultivate these friends. Go be a true friend. Well, have these. Isn't it great to have these friends? But you see, primarily, if we have that relationship with God, we will learn to love and we will be better friends. Love your neighbor. That's what the commandment says. Become that true friend yourself. Don't go desperately seeking that perfect friend because we already have that perfect friend. Seek to be like God. Seek to be that perfect friend for your neighbour. There is that parable of who the good neighbour is, the good Samaritan. Who is my neighbor, it's not the people around us, it's not the people who are supposed to be good, the upstanding people, it's the people who act and help out others, the perfect, the true friend who is, sticks closer than a brother. So do cultivate those great friendships, but seek God first, and in knowing God, seek to love others as God loved us. Let me pray. Father, forgive us that we neglect that friendship, that relationship with you, that we don't pray to you, we don't talk to you daily, and we don't seek to learn from your word, your revelation to us about yourself and your character that we don't seek to learn more about you from our Christian friends and that we don't talk to you, uh, talk about you as we would about a great friend. Lord, we pray that you teach us to love, help us to learn to love. Forgive us when we are unloving. We pray that we can become those true friends to others that you are to us. 
and that we, in, in doing so, we can be witnesses to your glory. In Jesus' name.